So uh, I, I don't have a fancy setup here. I, I've got my uh, laptop on two coffee tables. Um, I've got no screen uh, sort of set dress studio behind me. I'm wearing shorts. Um, and I've looked around at my friends during the week and they've been setting up their own portable studios at home and they've got fancy sound equipment. And I was whinging to Camille about this during the week saying, you know, what have I got? What have I got? And she just said, well, the word of God, that's pretty good. And uh, she wasn't being glib or condescending. She was just actually trying to encourage me uh, in this season. Uh, the, the word of God is the sort of the spirit is the truth coming from God's very mouth. And it's just so great to be reminded of that. Uh, that's what I want to share with us today, even if our methods are different and I don't have a wonderful backdrop. Uh, first, before we get into uh, Galatians 5, I wanted to just make some observations with you about how this pandemic has revealed something quite critical about people's true character, specifically what it takes to change character. What is our hope for change based upon? A few examples will probably bear that out. So you, like me, listen to our prime minister and he used a phrase early on when this pandemic was really setting in in Australia. Uh, he talked about wanting people to do the right thing, to do the right thing. Two weeks ago, he uh, fronted the media and he, that was in the midst of people hoarding supermarket goods. And he said to people, he made this appeal, quote, stop it, stop hoarding. It's not who we are as a people. It has been one of the most disappointing things I've seen in Australian behavior in response to this crisis. Stop it. This appeal has gotten kind of more and more desperate, hasn't it, as the weeks have gone on. So the messaging has changed from please do the right thing to we will punish you if you do the wrong thing. On Monday, I heard on the radio a guy in Launceston who had been arrested three times for failing to self-isolate. The first time he was fined $1,000, now he's been summoned to court. To use the Prime Minister's phrase, what does this show about who we are as a people? What is our true character? And if it's disappointing character, what does it take to change that character? Is it going to take more fines, more limits on supermarket purchases, or something else? Now, there have been good news stories as well, haven't there? Maybe you've heard of this Coles Community Hour from 7 a.m. till 8 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. People who have particular needs, whether they're elderly or living with a disability, they have the run of the supermarket. They can go and enjoy their shop without the crowds, without the hysteria. I heard about a guy who had sadly missed out on Community Hour uh, one day, an elderly gentleman who'd run out of toilet paper. He'd come to the supermarket late. He was waiting behind the large crowd and the word spread throughout the crowd, toilet paper's gone, there's no more. And he began to weep until this gentleman who passed him ripped open his four pack and handed this gentleman two rolls of toilet paper. And he kept weeping, but from joy, not from sadness. It's a lovely story. It's a sign of who people are. It was talked about as a great Australian moment. The thing is, it's not always so kind and people don't always turn out to be so nice in the midst of this virus. You've got local examples, but one I heard in the US was particularly startling. A guy whose mother, who's elderly, 
had a birthday and he desperately wanted to go and visit her, but he wanted to test himself for COVID-19 before he went just so that she wouldn't be at risk. So he was sent this link, self-testing kit, FDA approved, meaning the Food and Drug Administration. So government tested, government approved self-testing kit for COVID-19. So he bought it, $50 online and it never arrived. He looked into the company. It was a scam. It was a fraud. So not only had he lost money, he'd lost the chance to see his elderly mother. And he felt like his fear was being preyed upon. He felt like in this moment where things are so dire, how could someone be so callous as to make a profit from coronavirus? So you have this health crisis producing great moments of kindness and compassion. And then you've got it producing great moments of greed and exploitation. Could it be that our true character is being revealed at this time and coronavirus is just the magnifying glass? Let's bring it closer to home. Up in Sydney, the, the writer and pastor, John Dixon, who many of you will know, he's been in self-isolation for a week and, and John Dixon's daughter bailed him up in the kitchen the other day and said, Dad, you're really grumpy with us at the moment. Has cabin fever been setting in? And he was a bit sort of startled by his daughter's remark. But then he thought, well, actually, she's onto something there. He wrote this, as well as being a physical and emotional trial, coronavirus is a kind of moral test. This pandemic is exposing our true selves and it will find us out. I wonder if you see it like that. Maybe you've had moments where you've gone, oh, I don't really like who I am becoming or I don't like what this coronavirus is making me. Are you open to the possibility? Am I open to the possibility that all it is exposing is what was already there? For me, I'm a perfectionist and you can't be a perfectionist and not go crazy in the midst of a coronavirus. The things can't be done perfectly. You can't lead a church with the exact perfection that I would want at this time. Will I? be paralyzed and not making a choice because it might go wrong? Will I be flexible in my planning? Will I make sure that I make provisions so that we can be agile? This is not a good time to be perfectionist. All it's doing is exposing what was already there. I'm just trying to show us from these examples. One thing in common, coronavirus reveals spiritual weakness or spiritual strength that was there all along. And our Bible passage today in Galatians 5 tells us there are desires and works of the flesh. And you look through that list, you listen to that. It's about right, isn't it? All of those things are being revealed in all of us in some measure as a church, as individual believers in the coronavirus climate. So how would you change? That's the second part of our passage. There's fruit to be born rather than simply sin and flesh to battle with what will our hope for change be based upon the bible's answer to that question is galatians 5 verse 16 walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh now that sounds very hopeful and promising doesn't it that sounds great and yet my reaction and maybe yours is to this too so often really is that even possible as this passage says today, there is a battle going on. And sure, we can sometimes doubt the, the promise of this 
verse because we feel that raging, opposing spirit versus flesh battle in us. But unlike the call to just stop it or the threat of prosecution or even being moved to imitate acts of kindness and compassion from others, we actually have a stronger motive. We have a stronger power to do the right thing. We have a stronger power to change. He's the Holy Spirit and Romans 8, 11 calls him the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And he lives in you. And he who raised Christ from the dead, God, will bring your modest, mortal bodies to life through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. What usually happens when we, we doubt whether we can really change is we look at ourselves yesterday and today and we say, I'm about the same kind of person. I really can't change. But that, friends, sets our sights too low. This is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. This is the one who animated the dead body of Jesus. This is the one who cannot be underestimated in his ability to bring fruit. And I think we can make change about us when we just think about how we are limited and we doubt how much we can change. We also make change about us when we forget verse 24. Have a look at that again. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, past tense, with its passions and desires. So this is where change really starts. Change doesn't start with listening to people tell us to do the right thing. Change doesn't start with a walk around the block to have a break from quarantine. Change doesn't start with a decision to try harder and do better. The change starts with believing in Jesus's crucifixion. We were crucified as sin was put on the cross in the body of Jesus. We are as dead as that to sin. And when the passions and desires of the flesh flare up, we are to say, no, that's not who I really am. Let me enact who I really am by showing I'm alive to the spirit and dead to sin. And better than that, let me produce fruit. That beautiful companion list in Galatians 5, from the works and desires of the flesh to the fruit of the spirit. Let me bear that and hope that I can. I want to make this practical by leaving you with a diagnostic, a quick kind of tool that will hopefully help. Think of it like the difference between fruit and root. Think of it between the difference between fruit and root. So that is, I have, a, I have a, an action that's the fruit and that believe that that reveals an idea, a belief about my identity, who I am. And whatever I believe about who I am reveals what I think God has done in and through Jesus. And whatever I think God has done in and through Jesus reveals who I think God is and his character. And so if you start with fruit and work down to root, you actually figure out what's going on driving my behavior. And then you do the reverse so that you work on your heart root to produce better fruit. Here are four questions you can ask as you try to take that journey from fruit to root. First and foremost, you ask, how am I living? What, what is hanging on the branches of my life, so to speak, as the fruit? Thoughts and words and deeds. And then the next question is, who am I? What do my thoughts, words and deeds reveal about what I think I am, who I think I am? Third question, 
what has God done in and through Jesus? That is, what does who I think I am say about the work of God, good and bad? And then fourthly, who is God? What does my belief about the work of God say about his character and his nature? So let's just run a simple thing through that diagnostic. Fear. That is a real life experience for many of us and many for people around the world right now. Fear. If you're a believer in Jesus, when you're filled with fear, that's the fruit. And if you're filled with that fear as fruit, what's that next step? Who am I? Well, you could be believing that you're alone. You're unprotected. You're unloved. You're unlovable. That's the identity question. And if you believe that about yourself, that you're alone and unprotected and unloved and unlovable, then you must think the work God has done in and through Jesus proves he's not got your best interests at heart. He's not powerful. He's not sovereign. And if that's what you think about the work of God, then you must think he is small and powerless and mean. Now, none of that's meant to sound harsh, but it's just trying to get the heart right. Because once you do that, once you see that your fear has actually got a root problem down the bottom, you can deal with the root, ask the spirit to change the root so that you start believing God is big, that he's powerful and that he's loving and that will lead up the chain to better fruit. I hope you're beginning to see with that sort of approach, we have hope for change because it needs to go to the root of things and it needs to be about the Holy Spirit. Our characters are being spotlit right now. That's around the world, in our nation and in our homes. And many people are seeing bad fruit. They don't know what to do with it, though. Here we have, as believers, as the church, a chance to rise up and help them see. You need to get back to the root. Who are you? What has God done? Who is God? And that will produce far better fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And we uh, finished our service, our last uh, week by asking the Holy Spirit to come. In part, that means asking him to fill us again with the Father's love and a realisation of that love. Here we pray, come Holy Spirit, and we're asking him to reveal and to change and to, to grow. It was great that we got to sing that as a prayer just before. Just let me close briefly now in prayer. Father, thank you that you are interested in our hearts. And we pray change them profoundly so that it leads to fruit of the spirit. Thank you that through Jesus's death, we are free from the power of sin and death. We want to pray, Holy Spirit, bear your fruit through us today, that we will make a difference and carry this hope that will be noticeable. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen.